0: Hey, I'm Matt Ruby. And I'm Rob Kramer. And welcome to the third episode of Hell and Wellness. I am a
1: comedian and I'm somewhat experienced in like the health and wellness space. But also, I don't know, I think a lot of it's maybe a little bit of
0: BS. Well, Matt, you got to dig deep. I'm a tech entrepreneur, a writer, and I have actually been doing the health and wellness thing for about 25 years. Most of my adult life. No, but I understand what you mean. I mean, I've been a little bit of a guru chaser Kind of feel like an unguru, you know. I like to chase the gurus. I like to look for that sort of sense of wellness and enlightenment, but I don't want to get too far in because I don't want anyone to bamboozle me. There's a word.
1: I like bamboozle. It sounds very organic, you know. It's got bamboo in it and everything. There's so much pretension in the health and wellness space, and I think that's a little bit of a turnoff for me. But I do think there's tons of like really valuable stuff that can make people's lives better and maybe like be the antidote to a lot of the values in our society uh, and help people. Feel Feel better.
0: Totally. I mean, some of this can be snake oil. Some of this can be actual really helpful. We want to explore a little bit of it. We're going to actually see what's hell, what's well. We're like the uh, Siskel and Ebert of uh, health and wellness.
1: I love it. I love it. Although when I think of Ebert, I don't think of health, but we'll, we'll talk about that another, another time. In this episode, we're going to be talking about three exciting topics. One of them is microdosing. Mm. I have some interesting thoughts on that. And then we have spiritual bypassing. That was a new term to me. And then lastly, we'll talk about Shaman Durek, spiritual advisor to the stars.
0: I'm wondering if you can microdose while spiritually bypassing and being advised by the uh, spiritual advisor to the stars. Is that possible? Can we can we combine all those three? Can we match them That's
1: up? like nirvana right there, if you can pull that off.
0: All right. Well, let's get to our first segment, and uh, we'll see you on the other side.
1: And quick note, we are not doctors. This is not medical advice. Don't take us that seriously and change your life and inject things or anything like that. We're here to entertain you, to give you our perspective on the world of wellness. So please, before you do anything serious, check with the doctor.
0: So microdosing, like what the hell? Microdosing, like we're talking about taking tiny amounts of psychedelics, like a 20th to a 10th of a recreational dose. And I'm thinking the first time I hear this and that there are people in Silicon Valley and New York and LA, of course, they're not starting in Pittsburgh with microdosing at the steel mill, but that like, if you're going to take LSD, if you're going to drop a tab of LSD, dude, go all the way. Like, why do you need to take little crumb size amounts of psychedelics? Well, apparently the reason they do it is to actually get hyper-focused. Apparently this is one of the benefits of microdosing. It's like 0.1 grams of mushrooms a few mornings a week. So people can like, you know, finish up like their work and get their tasks done and shit like that. I don't know. To me, it just seems like another hyperbolic activity that a bunch of wankers in our tech world, I know I'm probably one of them. I'm a tech guy, but like, what's the frigging point? Matt, I don't know. What do you think?
1: I'm with you. This is capitalism trying to like isolate something and make it safe for soccer moms and tech bros and stuff like that. Take the whole bag of mushrooms. Don't microdose. You know what? If you take a ton of mushrooms, what it's called? A heroic dose. You know that term, right, Rob? Absolutely. So then think about it. When you're microdosing, you're the anti-hero. It's the villainous dose of mushrooms. You're just taking it in order to be more creative at work. If you're taking a bunch of mushrooms or LSD and you're like, it's time to go to work, that's a problem you've already done it wrong. If you're like, now I'm going to be good at work. That's it, winning for capitalism. That's not winning for your soul. Take the whole bag of mushrooms, go to the woods, go to the beach, go somewhere where you can lose yourself and be connected to the planet, not sit in front of a Excel spreadsheet and, you know, come up with some new uh, way to arrange the rows in your work day.
0: Totally. And, you know, I, I kind of delved in a little bit to like, how did this happen? Like, what was the trend? Like what gave way to microdosing? Apparently millennials, they started drinking last. They got less interested in doing cocaine. This is the thing. Everyone needs a replacement for something like, I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm not going to do cocaine. It's not a cool thing. It fucks up your brain. Let's find something else. So in this sort of strange turn of events, they taken up LSD and mushrooms in the way that someone else might pop an Adderall, right? And there's this guy, this guy in uh, Brooklyn, that I met once. He's a bit of a drug dealer, you know. I mean, there are people who have drug dealers. Just a bit. He's just a bit. He's a micro drug dealer. He's a micro. Yeah, yeah. Dealer, he's a right? micro dealer. Yeah, and, I get it. And, he, and he's like, there's this uptick in microdosing requests. He's like, maybe ten to fifteen percent of my clients plan on microdosing, which he said was is definitely way up from the time he started selling mushrooms. He's like, you know what? I can make almost as much money off of selling these. Sorry for my, you know, my condescension here, these wankers taking a little bit of micros. I can almost sell the same amount of micro doses of mushrooms as I could selling the whole bag of mushrooms. And I'm like, all right, is this, this is what you want. If you think this is the cool thing, have at it.
1: It's also fear. Like it's people who are scared to like trip too much, who are probably scared to go to a drug dealer who needed like kind of safe and like, you know, for work. And it's, this is, I'm not taking drugs. I'm being more productive and, And, you know, I just think it taps into this whole, like, sort of hustle and efficiency culture and productivity and, uh, you know, uh, creativity, but for work or, or Google and the military bringing in meditation experts. It's like, in the end, it's all to the advantage of capitalism. It's all, you know, so you can make more money if you're just trying to. And that's, to me, is the opposite. Of what psychedelics are on this planet for? It's not to make you more efficient at work. It's not to, you know, maximize revenues for your corporation. It's there for you to realize that all that shit is bullshit.
0: Hundred percent. Right, open up those doors of perception. You can't just dip your toe. You got to go all the way in. It's like, what are we going to start now? Micro sex? Like, what's micro sex? Let's do micro I, sex.
1: I think that's a handshake, right?
0: Oh, or a hand job. I don't know. Maybe one of the uh, two.
1: Both those are less appealing than sex. So. Stay away from microsex and microdosing. Yeah, I'm with you. Microdosing is hell to me. It's hell to me if you're doing it to be more creative at work or any of those things. If you're you know, out having a couple of drinks and you, you want to take a, a mushroom cap with that, I'm, I'm on board with that. But overall, I'm giving it a hell.
0: I'm, I'm right there with you. I think we are living straight in the center of the bullseye. Hell. This is hell. So, there's this term that actually was coined in the so-called spiritual world by this psychologist back in 1984. His name was John Wellwood. It's called spiritual bypassing. It's a term that I find that in my sort of yoga meditation spiritual communities, everyone seems to be tossing around just to describe people who essentially trying to do the work of spirituality, but then there's this... Wellwood well would notice that there's this widespread tendency to use spiritual ideas and practices to sidestep or avoid facing unresolved emotional issues. or it could be like psychological wounds or unfinished development mental tasks. So you get these different types of um, versions of spiritual bypassing. Like, for instance, there's the there's the guy who's the optimistic bypass, and uh, these are the people that like, Everything is incredibly optimistic and focusing on the positive and seeing the glass half full and don't let a frown get you down and all that bullshit. And these are some of the cat cries that some of these people tend to use. They use optimism as a way of avoiding these more somber and troublesome realities of life. But the optimistic bypass is often a side product of anger. It's an anger phobia thing. It's the inability to deal with negative emotions. So we can go into some others, but Matt, have you actually heard about spiritual bypassing or is this a new term for you? It's
1: a new term for me and I'm impressed because I think it kind of labels something that exists in the wellness space that's not talked about a lot. And I think a lot of times there's power in just giving something a label and a term. But I I guess I'd be curious, can you like give me an example of someone engaging in spiritual bypassing and, and how it would manifest in their lives?
0: Yeah, so basically let's say that you approach someone in, in a yoga class, and you're talking about something negative. And they're like, no, dude, dude, I just did my yoga class. No negativity in here. Mm. I really, I, I don't want to deal with it. There's nothing in this conversation that brings me joy. I am a spiritual human being. I just don't, please. Why are you, can you being you take so it? negative? Why are you being so friggin' negative? You know, this is one kind of person. This, is, this one is particularly annoying to me because it's like, Dude, it's 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 part of life, which is why that probably person doesn't want to be friends with me because I'm speaking negatively to them, except what Wellman says is that it's a side product of anger phobia. That's the dude that's actually got the anger phobia problem. But then there's a guy who they call this the aggrandizement bypass. Mm -hmm. So this is the type of self-delusion that some spiritual seekers use a way of masking their perceived deficiencies and insecurities. Aggrandisement bypass is adopted by those who seek to feel enlightenment, superior. Maybe they're having reached some higher planes of existence. They just got off a 10-day silent meditation retreat, and there is nothing in the world that is going to bring them down, and they are just the most enlightened human being that you've ever heard because they've reached this incredible nirvana. They don't even fucking know what nirvana is, but they've reached it. And it's sometimes used by self-proclaimed masters, leaders, so-called spiritually awakened souls, gurus. These are guys that I'm telling you, man, they take aggrandizement bypass to the next level. So what we're talking about here is there's about 10 different flavors of spiritual bypass. Another one just quickly is victim bypass. You know, when one becomes a victim of their gifts or uh, of other people, this takes away the pressure of responsibility. So if you got a lot of victimhood going on, you can just bypass all the victim uh, sort of feelings that you have or have experienced by rising above it. And spiritually bypassing. Kind yeah, of so like just, it, it seems yeah.
1: like you're not confronting the thing that's at the root of a lot of your issues, seems to be my interpretation of it. That you're you're sort of treating the superficial layer with, you know, your yoga or your meditation or whatever, but you're not engaging in the real work that's, you know, examining if you have trauma or something else that that you've been dealing with that you're just kind of whitewashing that.
0: Absolutely. Then there's this type of bypass, spiritual bypass called the saint bypass. You heard of this one, Matt? No, the saint Bi- sounds yeah, good. It kind of goes like this. So as children, we were conditioned to believe in a spiritual person, that a spiritual person is, you know, kind and compassionate and saintly. But in adulthood, we continue to repeat this story to ourselves. And sadly, apparently, according to the psychologist, it can cause us tremendous suffering. So the saint bypass is a reflection of extreme Black or white thinking. Uh, and it promotes this underlying belief that spiritual people can't have dark sides because that would make them unspiritual. So the bypass is essentially. An avoidance of one's shadow self, their dark side.
1: I love that because I was reading about this too. That uh, you know, shame, anxiety, anger, loneliness, self-loathing—the dark side that you talk about—is stuff that you know a lot of people are trying to avoid. And especially in our culture, where I think there's such an emphasis on happiness and positivity all the time, and that engaging with those sorts of emotions is considered you know some sort of failure or you're you're off track. Whereas I think in a lot of Eastern philosophy, it's much more about integrating the positivity with the dark side and accepting those realities of our nature and trying to notice and uh, I don't want to say nurture your dark side, but to accept it in some way, as opposed to reject and repress it, which seems like what the spiritual bypassing is getting
0: at. Totally. And apparently, according to Wellwood, when he was writing and talking about this idea of spiritual bypassing, he said that many of his clients came to him with some impasse in their lives, that their spiritual practice was unable to penetrate or help whether a personality issue or relationship problem. And he was always amazed by the fact that although these individuals may have practiced sophisticated spiritual practices, they often did not practice self-love. And if you think about the ones that we cited here as sort of flavors of spiritual bypass, like it's an avoidance of something, right? It's the avoidance of anger. It's the avoidance of the dark side. And so if people would just kind of like connect with themselves and connect with each other and be present perhaps they wouldn't need some kind of be shrouded in spirituality in a way that makes them feel holier and above their problems that they're trying to avoid
1: yeah it taps into me with you know some of the notions of toxic masculinity that have been going on in our culture and uh you know something that I've, you know, dealt with within therapy, this idea of like, what is masculinity? What does it mean to be vulnerable? Are you, do you want to admit that you're like sad or lonely or depressed or anxious or having these feelings? Or is that like some sort of demonstration of weakness? And I feel like that sort of ties in with what you're talking about this idea of like well no I'll just be extra almost competitive at spirituality and wellness I'm going to I'm going to be the best at this and conquer this is still sort of this you know very masculine way of of trying to deal with with issues and and trauma that sometimes need a more nurturing approach or a more sort of like accepting you know and uh you know a state of vulnerability in a way and I, even within therapy sessions that I've had has been a lot of being like okay It's okay that you feel that way. Let's talk about it. Let's feel it. Let's engage with it. Let's notice it. And then by doing that, you can also let it go. As opposed to you know what what this attitude is talking about, I think a lot of it is just that repression of like if I don't even talk about it, then it's not happening. If I don't admit it, then I don't feel it. And the problem is that's not the way the body and the brain work. That that stuff is still being stored up somewhere. And uh, if if you're not letting it out, you know, in a conscious, mindful way, then it's going to leak out in other ways that are going to be probably more damaging.
0: And you asked about an example. I actually, uh, if we can can we play a clip of sort of an exaggerated example of what spiritual bypassing is just to give you a little flavor of if you ever run into spiritual bypassers, this is what you might encounter. Welcome. This is all. We are all about just positive vibes and love and light and unity consciousness and 5D and unicorns pooing rainbow glitter. There will be no negative vibes or bad emotions in this space. Thank you. So that was Christina Lopez. She's a DPT MPH. She's a a therapist who talks a lot about spiritual bypassing and many other things. And uh, you can find her on YouTube at uh, Christina Lopez, L-O-P-E-S.
1: I mean, this to me taps into some of like the secret and, you know, positive psychology and uh, at every college, like the Happiness 101 class is the most popular class. And I hate to do it to bring up uh, Trump, but I feel like. Don't do it, Matt. Don't do it. But he comes from the power of positive thinking. People don't talk about this a lot. Nor- Norman Vincent Peale, the power of positive thinking, that's the church that he went to every Sunday with his dad in New York. And I think you see it like when he's talking about coronavirus, he's like, yeah, it's gonna go ne- away next week. We have a vaccine for sure, there's no problem. Like, isn't that the secret? Isn't that the power of positive thinking taken to its like logical endpoint where he's like, yeah, you shouldn't in- inject bleach into your veins. Like it'll probably help out. Hydroxychloroquine, it's the answer. Like that's what happens when you take this positive thinking mentality and just try to apply it to everything and ignore like actual reality where it's like, no, That's not going to work. The reality is we got a disease that's not going away tomorrow.
0: And you know what? I'm glad actually you did bring up Trump because I was going to kind of close this segment with some telltale signs of emotional bypassing. And as I sort of pre screen them, I realized that some of these actually apply to our... uh, Our dear president. So, here are some of the things that you should be aware of if you ever encounter the spiritual bypasser. So, uh, they're not focused on the here and now. They're living in a spiritual realm much of the time. Um, They're overemphasizing the positive, as you allude to, Matt. They avoid the negative. They're being self righteous about the concept of enlightenment or many other things that we know our president does. Um, They're being overly detached. Detached from the reality, perhaps, of COVID. Who knows? Being overly idealistic. A cure is around the corner. Having feelings of entitlement. Oh, that one seems to apply. Exhibiting frequent anger. That seems to be uh, applicable here. And uh, engaging in cognitive Dissidence that assumes that one has any cognitive uh, faculties in the first place, Um, and being overly compassionate. Not sure this one applies in this particular example that uh, Matt was alluding to. Uh, Last one being pretending that everything is okay when it's not.
1: That's America's slogan now.
0: (laughs) He's like the uber spiritual bypasser on like 80, 90% of this list. Well,
1: yeah, I think what it gets into is at the root of this is ego. And, you know, a big part of enlightenment, according to the Buddhist sense, is that loss of ego and sort of accepting, you know, not being attached to certain outcomes and this idea that you need to be happy or positive all the time or everything's great and that you can't accept negativity is just really a form of repression that's going to cause you pain.
0: So I would say sort of in conclusion, I find it actually ironic, paradoxical, sad and particularly annoying that people who practice spiritual spirituality, uh, yoga, meditation, all kinds of things that are meant to improve their well-being are actually avoiding the very thing that they need to improve and uh, you know eh, try harder next time. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you can take the alligator out of the swamp, but you can't uh, take the swamp out of the yoga center or something like that. Anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm a, a fan of this concept. I, like, I don't think you should do it, but I really like that someone has labeled this and named it. So I'm going to call it well.
0: Uh, you're going to call it well. And so from that perspective, I say spiritual bypassing itself is hell on wheels. But the idea of the concept of calling out spiritual bypassing uh, is definitely well.
1: I was reading an article about uh, wellness folks and came across a guy whose name is Shaman Durek. Have you heard of this guy, Rob?
0: I have not heard of him.
1: All right. Well, he describes himself as a sixth-generation shaman and the author of the bestseller Spirit Hacking, Shamanic Keys to Reclaim Your Personal Power, Transform Yourself, and Light Up the World. And he's a spiritual advisor to the stars. And he was a model, of course, a healer and a spirit hacker. And you know who's a big fan of his? Gwyneth Paltrow. She said he is a light on the earth. And also, by the way, he's the boyfriend of Norwegian princess Martha Louise i didn't know was a person but
0: of course he is
1: and so i was curious about this guy uh he's also appeared frequently on some tv show called the doctors which is there any more sign you should be scared of someone than if they're a doctor on a tv show it seems to be almost universally but from dr drew to dr oz it's like we are not in a good place when you're on tv every day publicly being a doctor
0: basically they play doctors on tv right they're not really doctors are they
1: It's tough to tell. I think maybe they were a real doctor at one point and then they got swallowed up by fame and you know how that goes. It's sort of a a tough pill to let go. Although I will say these days, even real doctors, I'm kind of, I'm always like, uh, find it extremely amusing how they have to wear their lab coat when they're on TV. You know, even like the real doctor, like sort of like uh, the, the costume is like wardrobe. I'm like, I know you're in your basement at your home right now. Why do you need to be wearing your lab coat as you tell me about coronavirus? But like, I think there's something still in people's heads about wearing a lab coat that, that we trust people. But back to Shaman. First of all, his name is Shaman. Is it really? I don't know. I don't feel very comfortable with that. I feel like Shaman is like, uh, it's as if your name was like Guru or something like that. I don't think it's something you should be calling yourself or that your parents should name you if it is his real name. Either way, I'm not okay with
0: it. I think his agent uh, asked him to change his name.
1: (laughs) I will say this. What he's done is take the concept of shamanism and packaged it for like Oprah Gwyneth fans. You know, like I'll read you, here's a a section from his site. He's a visionary for the new age with a strong focus on the evolution of humanity while also simplifying our experience through common sense practices. That doesn't really mean anything. A strong focus on the evolution of humanity. All right, uh, he studied extensively, extracting the best from all the world philosophies, religions, spiritual teachings, and theories. So you don't have to pick just one. You know, like a lot of people, they they focus on one religion or one philosophy. Why do that, Rob, when you can take from all of them as if it's a buffet?
0: So basically, he opened up his crown chakra, and he allowed all of the spiritual religious modalities to flow through and he is now embodying them in his heart chakra in his wait a minute you're pretty good at this wait a second
1: are you is your name shaman he says through his no-nonsense teachings he demystifies spirituality by making it attainable and understandable for not only the layman but also for the more spiritually advanced and everyone in between so I'm always a big fan of when someone's like well this is for people who are brand new at this and also the people who are experts it's for all of you you don't have to pick a philosophy you don't have to pick a religion you don't have to pick a level that you're at it shaman is gonna take care of you
0: he's right there for you and does he charge these people does Gwyneth pay him lots of money for these sessions at
1: his site there is merch and you can get sessions with him for a thousand dollars an hour flat rate
0: you can actually buy Shaman Durek merch
1: he gives this whole speech about how he'll only sell products where he knows the owners of the company where they've been vetted that there's a lot of stuff in the wellness space that can't be trusted and he gives this whole good like minute-long video speech and then the first item I saw was like this underwear that blocks radiation from yes, getting to your Yes, I boss. saw that.
0: The Lamb's Men's underwear there right next to the car old bike, which is, looks like it's a Peloton, but it's not. But I guess he probably was able to get stock in Carol bike, but not in Peloton. But I guess if you wear the Lamb's Men's underwear on the Carol bike, you won't get irradiated.
1: It blocks over 99% of cell phone and Wi-Fi radiation rob. So, you know. Interesting.
0: I see as well, he's got some monk oil on there. Is that like Thelonious monk oil? Is that if you, you, if you rub this oil on you, do you become like an incredible jazz musician?
1: No, may, I think maybe you rub it on you and then you smell so bad that no one wants to touch you and you can kind of live like a monk. And there was also something called uh, the Somavetic for sale on there. And I couldn't even figure out what it's like some sort of glowing orb that you put a stone in. And it says it has positive effects on health problems such as headaches, nervousness, sleeping and digestion problems, tiredness and weak immunity that are caused by the influence of EMF radiation and geopathic stress. And it can improve metabolism and harmonize family relationships. But, you know, this guy isn't into the BS, the quackery. He's, this is the real stone glowing thing that harmonizes family relationships.
0: I mean, I'm looking at his $12 on average, $12 courses brought to you by the Healing Temple, uh, Overcoming Fear into the Unknown, Living Lucidly, Creativity, a Pathway to Freedom, Balancing Your Gut Health. I mean, $12 bucks can not go wrong. If it's all quackery anyway, I'm only out like a couple of cappuccinos.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's sort of democratizing being ripped off. You know, it's like a lot of times it's only like, you know, rich or famous people that can be ripped off in the wellness space. He's kind of opening that up to everyone.
0: Let let me ask you this. I mean, here we are. We're having a lot of fun sort of uh, at uh, Shaman Dirk's expense. But do we have any sense that uh, shamanism in the modern sense of the term uh, let alone the ancient. I mean, the ancient seems like there's probably some real validity. But these modern day shamans, what do we think about these modern day shamans? You know? uh, if they're on TV
1: and doing like hits on Good Morning America, I don't feel good about them. I think embedded in the true spirit of being a, sh- a shamanic healer is that you're not just sort of trying to boil it down into a two minute sound bite that you gotta you gotta get in there and do the work. Yeah,
0: I mean, do 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 the ancient shamans? Do they have? Uh, Do they have movie deals and TV deals? I'm wondering.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They wish. They wish. Actually, he was on Good Morning America, and uh, the host asked him about what shamanism means. So why don't we go ahead and play
0: that clip? Explain what shamanism is.
2: So shamanism is about creating a relationship. It's about creating a relationship with yourself, with your family, with your community, with your friends, with your children, and with your environment. And the stronger your relationship and more authentic it is, the more beautiful your life can become.
0: That makes perfect sense.
1: It really doesn't make sense. But (laughs) I love that she was right there with him after he says his nonsense. That really is not the definition of shamanism in any version that I've heard before.
0: I don't think she heard a word he said, actually.
1: Well, then he gets to the next step, which is where you put three fingers in your palm and you say something out loud and it's supposed to heal you uh, let's let shaman explain it we want to put our ha- our
2: fingers in the middle of our palm and say our name out loud three times once Matt, you say your name Matt, three Matt. times you would say reverse all negative effects on my body mm. so a lot of times we don't pay attention to what we're taking on because we're so caught up in the world and we're
1: reverse all, all negative effects to, to my body instead of
2: focusing on the number one
1: person which is us
0: right and how
1: i love how she's like right yes that makes so much sense Like, yeah, you put your three fingers in your hand, you say out loud, abracadabra, and then all your, you know, history of trauma just vanishes, I guess.
0: Shamanistic bypassing, Matt. That's what I'm thinking.
1: And then he's also on this show called The Doctors, and he has some interesting clips from that show. Why don't we go ahead and play one of those? Oh,
0: well, you give
2: yourself permission, but really in life it's about following your joy points, right? And we talked about that when we were together. Following your joy points means that you do things that make you feel expanded, that feel good. The moment something doesn't feel expanded and good, you walk away.
1: All right, stop it right there for a second. I'm always fascinated with this advice that's like, you should just be doing stuff that feels good. That's the problem in your life. When, when something feels bad, you should walk away from it and only do things that feel good. I'm like, is that the problem that we're really suffering from in American society? Is this the issue we're facing?
0: I mean, this is such spiritual bypassing. The fact is that anyone that tells you to walk away from the suffering and walk away from the failure is basically telling you to not experience life and learn from the most important experiences that are presented. They may make you uncomfortable. They may make you feel sort of uh, insecure. But my God, these are the things that we actually learn from. How could you live your life this way?
1: But it's a good way to sell if you're trying to sell to the masses to be like, you know what your problem is? You need to feel better. Anytime something feels bad, walk away. Like that's a good way to like sell your underwear that doesn't let radiation go to your balls, you know?
0: And, And I have an idea. The way you feel better is you tune in to my website and my courses and you take every one of them, you buy every one of my now products it. and now you watch it. my TV shows, my movies, I guarantee you will feel better. Well, let's keep this
1: clip
2: going. Let's hear what he says next. You don't make excuses and say, oh, well, you know, I'll just fit myself in here and see how it goes. No, because to live a good life, you have to live truthfully. So finding those joy points are really important to opening up that door. And also remember that when you're stepping into this place of truth Watch yourself, out, Rob. not everyone around you is going to be OK with it, right? And so mm-hmm. you have to realize that if that person's in your life and you're living your truth and they're uncomfortable with it, let them be uncomfortable. That's that's a part of their growth as well. But living your truth to yourself is the greatest thing you can do. Stop it. So
1: again, you just need to be doing things that feel good. Anything that feels bad, you need to walk away from. And if anyone in your life tells you that maybe you're not doing the right thing or something's wrong, then they're the one who's got a problem. It's such like amazing advice to give to someone. You
0: know what it sounds like in, in the all the documentaries I've watched on Scientology? It sounds like Scientology a bit.
1: It's definitely got a little bit of a culty vibe. Well, right? like, little cult-y. then, you know, there's a, another clip where the same woman he was talking to there, he does a personal sort of uh, body healing work session i don't even know what to call it and uh this one we really start getting into it almost feels like that john edwards crossing over or who's that tarot card reader woman who was on tv all the time you remember who i'm talking about miss cleo Um,
0: miss cleo
1: so uh, this this one has a little bit of that vibe and he, he really goes for it on this one i give him credit
2: so i want you to put your hand in the center of your palm good and i want you to tap it and say mom are you there
1: mom are you there i'm always here
0: now that you're on the other side
2: mom now that you're
1: he on brought
0: the her other to the other side, side. she's talking to the dead the other side what of the room the other side now. of uh, the she's planet where is, what other do I need side need to be hard on Let's myself listen. and create anxiety mom
1: do i need to be hard on myself and create anxiety mom no
2: so now you just got confirmation from the other side can i can, clean can, out can, some now stop status? it for a
1: second so Right there, he's like, okay, I've connected you to your dead mother. You've uh, had communication from the other side. Glad you got rid of all your anxiety from that. Now can I go ahead and clear out some of the, uh, you know, almost like I'm a garbage man. I found some trash in the corner. I just want to take that out too. Is that cool? Like, and this is on TV. It's like polluting the word shamanism in a public way that's I, like I, uh, alarming.
0: I have a question. It says that he's a sixth generation shaman on his website. Mm-hmm. How do we know? Has anyone actually gone back six generations through his Ancestry.com, his 23andMe DNA, and said, yes, you are a sixth generation lineage shaman- shamanic teacher. How do well, we Well, I remember this? my
1: grandma Esty telling me that my great, great, great grandfather was the first pharmacist. He was the first pharmacist in all of Palestine. So you should be very proud. I'm like, I don't think... That's true, or that you would know it's true. But I'm happy you told me that story. So I kind of feel that way about him saying he's a sixth-generation shaman. I'm like, oh, I'm glad your grandma told you that. <laughs> Let me know when you got the uh, evidence for that. All right, but let's let's finish up this clip because he really he really turns up the the heat on his shamanism here at the end. Yeah, that'll be great. Yeah, is that okay? Yeah.
2: Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and start doing that. Six thousand. Seven thousand. Spirits begin to vibrate her body and clean it out of where she's been storing it. 10,000. You just can command the spirits to be like 10,000. Keep cleaning out of her until she laughs uncontrollably, spirits, and clears herself from all anxiety and depression. 20,000. 20,000. 20,000 doesn't matter. <laughs> spirits. See, that's yours. That belongs to you. All right, all
1: right, stop it. I, I had enough of this guy. Yeah, uh Shaman Durek, I turned the bullshit up to 5,000. I think he's a con man, 8,000. And I'm almost positive that 20,000, he is hell.
0: He is exponential hell. That's what I say. Exponential. Thanks for listening to Hell and Wellness. I'm Rob Kramer.
1: And I'm Matt Ruby. You can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can leave voice messages for us at anchor.fm slash Wellness. That's anchor.fm slash Wellness. You can also see all the shows there. And you can email us at hellandwellness at gmail.com.
0: And if you remember, please uh, rate us and review us on uh, Apple Podcasts. Say something nice. Thanks for listening.
2: This podcast is produced by Stereoactive Media.